Hello, hello. Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. We are now a proud member of the Drum Click Podcast Network. You can find out more about both of these at bigfatsnaredrum.com or thedrumclick.com. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and this week's guest is Griffin Goldsmith, drummer for the band Dawes, but he's also worked with countless artists such as Jackson Brown, John Fogarty, Robbie Robertson, Jim Keltner, Elvis Costello, Jenny Lewis, Bahamas, and the list goes on and on. He's recently added film scoring to his list of accomplishments as well. So his delicate and deliberate touch is timeless and honors the gold standard of what it means to be a studio musician. Conversations like this are why I get so excited every week to talk to the best drummers of the day, and Griffin's choices are sourced from the apex of human artistry behind the kit. I know you guys will all be better drummers after hearing what he has to say. That being said, the audio on this wasn't the best, and as a sign of the times, we had to resort to Zoom audio for most of it, but honestly, I've heard worse. Still, I pride myself in trying to get you all the best audio possible, but hey, as Dawes said, things happen, that's all they ever do. So please enjoy my conversation with Griffin Goldsmith. Also, please go down a rabbit hole of his playing. I can't stress enough how underrated of a drummer he is. So please enjoy. Oh, and I don't do the best job of naming every song I play in this episode. So to find them, go to Spotify and search for the playlist titled Big Fat Five Podcast Dash Griffin Goldsmith. For the drum sound on that one, we got we used a little Pelican case as the kick drum, and then a, an LP micro snare for the snare sound. And then I think on the hi hat, I had like a I had one of those um, a head sticks flipped. Almost sounds like it's like phasing out on that when I start playing the hi hat. It's like the tone the tone is changing based on where on the stick I'm hitting it. How do you? And this this might be the most generic question, but how do you? decide what sounds are going to be for that song because that song easily could have been a very beefy snare drum you yeah. know it's like what what was the thought process well it depends i mean that record we made with blake mills and he's really involved in getting drum sounds so i think mm-hmm. we probably just kind of both landed there but he some, it depends like it depends who you're working with like a lot of like i just finished a record two days ago and and that i was kind of just like completely my call on what the drum sounds were so in that case it's i like to keep a lot of stuff around Mm -hmm. so that you know if something's maybe not like grooving or it's not working i'll pick up another piece of gear and maybe that will change the the vibe completely okay i do want to play uh one more i believe this one's cool because literally the second you start playing the snare drum he calls it out so let's see if this will play without an ad Oh, drum sounds amazing. Can't complain. I make my living with my brain. I made something new for all of you from some old refrain. Take what's already been done and 
yeah, man, I'm hesitant to tell to tell people what those drums are because they're it's like the rarest drum kit I've ever found, and I'm absolutely obsessed with them. I just there was just a track a track that I just uh, that I played on recently just came out by Angel Olsen and um, Sharon Van Etten. Beautiful song, and I used those drums, and I was like, I'm just in, they're the coolest. They're so easy to to get to get like just happening. They kind of need they kind of need they need a room. They don't sound good in a booth. They're called Arbiter Auto Tunes. I'm actually shouldn't be so scared to say it because you can't find them. Okay, yeah, I mean that was going to be my my question. Is those just look up this this video? I'll I'll drop it in the show notes. But the drum set looks so cool, and then of course it does sound amazing. It's like it's from space, and the the, the mechanism. I'm kind of like really into all these all these like super bad ideas that that came to pass at some point in the history of drum making. No one's so weird. It's like this this shell, which I, I believe is fiberglass, that's bigger than the head, and you take a, a a wrench and you crank the whole head and rim at one time. I don't know why they sound like that, but it got me really into that idea. So I went ahead and bought a leady tension knob. There's no there are no lugs. You just like tune this, this you like turn this knob and it's almost like a timpani construction so that the knobs around each head will push up this like metal hoop that presses on the drum head and either makes it higher pitched or lower pitched well i mean going down the line of the spaceship i have behind this door i have um some pv radials Dude, that... That, yes that's the shit i I, I I remember finding those at when I was like obsessed with these arbiters and and those are cool same concept right like smaller but you you tune those with like do they have tension rods you do still tension them one by one but there's no there's no lugs on the side so it's like less hardware and it's just supposed to be a more uh, free floating shell essentially do they sound um, they're really easy to tune and and yeah I mean they 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 sound they're forty five degree bearing edge they're just punchy. Um, they're great. They're ugly, but they're almost so ugly that it's like <laughs> I'm gonna be looking at, looking them up tonight. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I think that's um, well. I have one more. Sorry, I'm gonna play this, and then and then we can. Uh, I'll stop being selfish. We'll go into your your choices. That's awesome. I record. There's a dude in town named Chris Rondanella, who's who kind of cut his teeth as like an engineer with Levon Helm or Levon. I'm not sure. Never been. I mean, he's he's the best of me. So yeah. Yeah, for certainly one of my favorites. And so this dude was out there for a long time, and he's kind of just been like a gear junkie since the '90s, when like you could get crazy deals on gear. And so he's got this little studio in Burbank, and it's like it's so dialed. It's everything sounds incredible. I, you never, you don't have to bring drums or anything. And, and he was kind of like a clubhouse. He'd have a bunch of us get together and just do whatever we wanted. And that, and that was just like a session with my buddy Dylan Day mm. and this dude, um, Danny Aged, who's an amazing, amazing bass player. And we were just kind of fucking around, and like that was that was one of the jams that came out of it. And then my girl asked me to score that. We were looking for like an outro song, and I was like, oh well, 
I just got this mix of this cool thing. It might be perfect. Did you did you do any scoring after you recorded it, or was it kind of like, oh, this will work for this? Um, we did this. We I think we'd already done me and Lee, the keyboardist and Daz, had already done the rest of the short, and then we I think we tried something maybe for the ending, and then I was just and then I got that mix and was like, you know, maybe, let me ask these dudes if they're cool with it. But this seems yeah. Perfect. No, it's sick, dude. Um, and I was gonna ask. I mean, scoring a movie because I've never done it. But like, does that change your perspective on arranging? Going back to a band that has more like structured songs? No, I mean, it's it's it makes me feel. It's definitely humbling because it's like I don't know what I'm doing. In <laughs> yeah, scenario at all. It's like totally not my world. Um, and I mean, it still isn't. Even though I did that one thing. I mean, I would do it again. I feel like the thing that I would need if I was like really going to do it would be access to some, some fucked up, like weird instruments. Have you ever heard of this dude? Um, have you ever heard of an orchestra? No, this is a, it's a crazy YouTube video that kind of, that kind of had some like, you know, some notoriety. I get probably got over a million views. And I actually went and visited this dude in Tucson like a couple years ago on tour, but he's been just building all of his own instruments. He's a welder. And he's oh, hell yeah. wild instruments. They look like they're like out of Cronenberg movies. They're all like, they're insane. They look like they could come alive and eat you. <laughs> but a lot of percussion, a lot of, lot of stuff with pickups. And it's all so cool sounding. And I thought like, you know, if I ever, I've tried to buy it from him 15 times and it's, it's not happening. But I always thought like if, if I, if I was going to score uh, something, maybe I could like go, go to the museum and like do it there. Cause kind of like bringing gear to a session where it's like it's not always like oh man okay what's the part sometimes it's like no the part's fine it's the it's the sound it's like if i can you know if i'm hitting this like transient hi-hat sound and it's cool but not quite working maybe i'll grab a shaker or a, mm -hmm. or spells or a different snare sound or a different bass room sound or just like moving the sound source i feel like often will just get me there you know so i feel like if I were to do that again, I would, I would just kind of really love to have access to like a, a wider array of, of instruments. Well, that's the direction as a drummer that I want to go down because when I was younger, it's like, okay, how many parts can we think for this song? You know, like I'll do this pattern and this pattern, and this, but it's like, oh, how do we just pick a good feel? And then instead of trying other things, you, you, you swap out sonic choices. Um, I mean, me, I've always wondered if, like, that's always, yeah, that's always been the winning thing for me. And I mean, I mean, there's obviously like you need to find the groove and the part But if the song's good, that's usually pretty secondary. And it's like, how do you support that song? And some, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been asked before, like, what's a piece of advice that you give to, you know, an aspiring session drummer or something? And it's like, just have gear. I know it's a pain in the ass, but like you got it for me. I mean, this isn't this is not a you know, prescription for because i know plenty of drummers that just show up and play the shit that's there and they're amazing mm -hmm. but for me it's like I, that's my power is like bringing way too much shit and being able to be like yeah just you know grabbing from the pile and like and then just trying shit until all of a sudden it clicks i mean i feel like i can identify my favorite records from the drum sound before like anything else you know and to me it's like you're gonna start there that's the thing it doesn't really like it's almost like you know who's playing and it's kind of secondary and some some of these circumstances you know it's like if they sound amazing it's gonna get people excited yeah 
Yeah, the, well, I mean, speaking of, of of choices and stuff to use in that video that I played two two uh, choices ago, you you bring in a backbeat for I think that same session. It's like a steer skull. Oh, it's, yeah. you know, it's like kind of a, with the teeth and everything. It's a donkey jaw. I bring it to sessions kind of just as like a, as a, as a joke and just set sure. it somewhere. Yeah. But whenever I get to use it, I'm stoked because it sounds awesome. Yeah, well, it did. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's hop into your to your choices. And so you actually answered a, 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 my prompts and I gave you f uh, six of them. So you answered six. This is actually the big fat six today. And I got to say. You're number two, man. I was like <laughs> freaking out last night with, uh, well, well, we'll get to it, but just hold on, listeners. So number one, uh, a specific groove that completely changed the way you think about drums. And I'm going to play it before we talk about it, just so we can have a little, a little play along game to see if people can figure out who it is. I have a feeling you'll probably be able to. I sadly don't know who's playing drums on that because a lot of that stuff isn't is in a like catalog. But I, mean, I guess is Stubblefield. Well, I mean, on that same point, I was looking that up last night because I, I like to have that information for the show, and that was from like 1960, like early 60s. And from what I read, he didn't meet Jabbo or or Clyde until like 64, 65. So like, I I don't know who that is either, but. Whoever it is has that swampy feel, that kind of like not straight, not swung. Exactly, yeah, and that's the that 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 whole record has has that happening. Yeah, I mean that was the I was really young when I got into that record. My dad was raised on Little Richard and James Brown, mm -hmm. and so that I I like yeah I, I I was probably like before I even played drums, honestly. And it just always blew my mind, like what was happening there because I'd never, I'd heard people play six, eight, I'd heard people play straighter eighth notes. And I just, I don't think I'd ever heard that like in between thing. Yeah. That's a pretty exaggerated version of that. <laughs> well, no, the whole, the whole record, I mean, it, well, there's, there's actually another song called think by James Brown that's not that one, but then I found it from from the record. So if you guys are wanting to look this up, um, it is from the album Think with an exclamation point. And uh, yeah, you can't get you can't get more groovy than that. Yeah, so, so cool. It just sounds like they, you know, set up in like an auditorium or something and just did it. Yeah. I mean, l looking back, knowing how young you were when you started to like that. I mean, do you do you think like, why did a young Griffin gravitate towards this thing that is so nuanced you know no man i mean part of me think like I, sometimes i think back on like when i started listening to steely dan because that was like a huge part of my childhood too and and the fact that I, I i look back and wonder at the fact that when i was listening to you know Bacaro, keltner hal blaine purdy um rick Murata, all those guys on those records that I understood that that was session drumming at its at, at its like prime. Um, I mean, I I think it's pretty mm -hmm. evident now for anybody that that cares to listen. But I kind of just intuited that at that age that that was like the shit, and I got what was so hip about it. 
All right, so number two is Little Milton from the Stax Profiles Records, and the song is Let Me Down Easy, and this is one of the coolest, most badass fills I've ever heard. So I don't know the drummer, but when I find out, I'm definitely going down the rabbit hole. So good. And then, so I didn't start it early enough, but he's, go, I mean, it's just chilling. And I kind of started it while he's building up, but he builds it up and then just goes right back down. Yeah. And when he, and when the song starts, like the vocal is so loud and powerful and the drums are barely audible, but occasionally like they'll, they'll, they'll make a stab and it's like, it's, it, 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 it hurts. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, who, do you know who plays drums on that? I have no idea. I don't even think I've ever heard anyone play drums like that. So normally I could guess, but sure. Yeah. Again, I, I always try and have like that those those facts, but sometimes it doesn't matter how how you know deep you go on the internet these days. They just people like that back then were not credited. And sadly, it's not. I mean, it's definitely gotten better, but it's not like like it's there's still a lot of records being made that aren't crediting musicians. Yeah. Uh, do you do you find yourself <laughs> I mean, do you overuse stuff like that? Where like Taylor's like, okay, dude, we get it. You listen to Little Milton. Just let's calm down. <laughs> Not that. I mean, I'm I'm sure that's happened where there's like a Gad fill or like some Yogi Horton shit that I'm like I was obsessed with and, like every night. But I mean, it's in the context of a dog, like a three hour dog show. It's like you're we're kind of just all soloing the entire time. So it's yeah. like. How do you not play some shit that you played before? Because we're just playing a lot. But I feel like in the studio and stuff, I try to not tread on old ground if possible. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, speaking of your dad earlier, uh, number three is a performance which you either played or witnessed that altered your musical course. And you said growing up watching your dad play with Mike Finnegan and Gerald Johnson. Um, what are the backstories with Mike Finnegan and Gerald Johnson? I'm actually not familiar, unfortunately. <laughs> is supposedly on some of um voodoo child okay and he he's just a, like one of the sickest uh organists ever and he's a pretty well-known dude like for the for the last few i want to say last 15 years or so he's been playing with bonnie Raitt, and dad he was in he was in the jerry hunt brotherhood for a minute he he uh he's just kicked around and played with everyone but he's like he's kind of a legend and he's an unbelievably good singer. I have some of his solo records that are pretty hard to find. Um, and it's, yeah, this, there's one actually with Picaro that was never released. I have like a test pressing of it. Oh, shit. Amazing. And his vocals are insane. And then Gerald Johnson is uh, most famously played bass on The Joker, which is like pretty iconic bass line. And then I don't know if I don't know if he's on that whole record or not. I think he is. He also played with Dave Mason for a while, and he the Crosby Stills and Nash. Those guys like it wasn't even just the playing because that was so profound. It was the performance. Like watching Gerald, if you can find videos of him, do his thing is unbelievable. Like he's just he's just he, he's just an entertainer on top of being like one of the greatest bass players I've ever heard. So like wow, this is more than you know, reaching that place because they're doing that. It's also like keeping these people entertained. Well, and I mean this in the best possible way. And I told this to Sarah Thower as well, but you definitely, 
you you uh, exude facial expressions when you play drums. So and people love that. I mean, they, they want to see that. I, I I I'm not. It's the one thing I kind of liked about the ma- like masking up the last year and a half. Is that, like <laughs> no one can tell. I look like I'm pooping the whole time. So like I'm like biting my lips, and it's it's not good. Every drummer has some version of it. Yeah. So, I mean, were, you said you watched them, but I mean, did they become close yeah, family I, with you? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I like grew up with those dudes more Gerald than Mike. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've known bo- both of them since I was a little kid, but yeah, I mean, I think Gerald was maybe my godfather at one point or damn, but he, uh, yeah, they were always around and, and st- Gerald still, I still see him every time we go to Seattle. Um, but they also were like, my dad would have my brother and I come sit in, you know, when we were kids and they'd be playing like, you know, serious gigs, like New Year's gigs and stuff, like getting paid to do the job. Sure. Consummate pros. And and my and my dad would be like, yeah, you know, Griff's going to come sit in tonight. And, they, and, and Mike would just kind of look at him like, oh, he's not. Like, it, it, so it made me realize, like, you got to take this shit seriously. Because, like, sitting in with those guys was scary like it made me realize like oh man this isn't just like well funny games like these dudes are here to fucking grind so i do want to play a song from your dad the drums are so rad in this song What track is that? That's so that, that is Sweat Hog, and that's Things Yet to Come. Okay, so the drummer in that band, it, I, I thought that was him just based on the, the top. He's doing all that shit with one hand. Yeah, and his, his bass drum, da, 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 he does like some four, some, you know. His name's Frosty, Barry Smith. He just passed a couple years back, but Frosty. My, my, like, he was like my actual first drum teacher. My, my dad, when I was like started taking it seriously, so they grew up together. They known each other since they were like in third grade, and he flew Frosty out when I was like maybe fifteen for a week. And he's like, "Hey, you know, Frosty, I want you to just like play with my kid every day and like see if it's, you know, if he should continue doing this, like, because my dad is kind of like, he's the sweetest dude and and so supportive. Um, but he won't. He would not. He'd be the first to just tell you like you should do something else. Like, don't waste your time. You know, that's good." Yeah, I, I respect it. And he, so he brought Frosty out and was like, "Tell me if my, you know, my kid should keep going down this path." And that was like, I remember just every day for for a week sitting with Frosty, like playing shit, and him just giving me pointers and whatnot. Well, it's cool too because that the drum parts on that, I mean, like it's definitely not quantized. And a younger me might be like, he could play that tighter. But when I listen to that, I'm like. That's so groovy, and you know that like that performance is a stamp in time of that performance, which is way cooler than perfection to me, obviously. Yeah, and he can also play perfect. Like my, there's a record my dad made that I don't think ever came out with a band called Creation, and it's the same sounds and shit. And like, he he's just perfect on it. Like it's it might as well be quantized. It's perfect. He also kind of famously was in a, a duo with this dude Lee Michaels. Um, 
which you can you can find those records. Like they have, there's a really rad like 18 minute live version of Stormy Monday where, they were, where Frosty takes a solo with his hands and they were playing like arenas back in the day. They were huge and it was just a duo. Lee Michaels on organ and Frosty sh- just fucking slamming, dude. My dad always liked to say that Frosty was John Bonham's favorite drummer. I don't know how true that is, but. <laughs> oh, well, you, you, you said it here and there's billions of people that listen to this. So now that's, that's history. Yeah. Hey, y'all, I wanted to, (laughs) I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud. And it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye um all right so Number two, or sorry, number four, what am I thinking, um, is your favorite drummer. And we already kind of talked about it. It's Jim Keltner. Yeah, yeah. But, I, mean, I feel weird even saying that because he's kind of become a, he's become a friend. And so it's weird to like idolize your bros, you know? But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, what he does is really, is the most inspiring to me. It's, uh, it, like I listen to some, it's, and it just gets better with age too. Like he's... Like it's it's I mean like he got more gear and shit and when you listen to like like how he aged as a drummer it's like he didn't try to keep the crazy chops that he had at one point you know and he's just so gracefully developed into this like older version of himself that just blows me away I mean he can also yeah he, his ability to like to just like you know wear the hat like you know. And, and 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 get into the music even if it's not his thing like that is incredible to me because that's something that i struggle with like you know i'm not that any music's bad but when you like have I, we all have discerning tastes so a lot of times when i go play on records it's like this is music's really cool but it's just not my world so how do i like embody it you know and, and generally i can but he just does it like immediately. And some of the worst records that I've heard Keltner play on have the best playing, in my opinion. 
<laughs> I want you to name them all right now so you can make some enemies. Um, there was this, the, the drum doctor has like some interview kind of series. And at the end of it, he kind of has people play, you know, whatever drums he sets up and they sound beautiful because it's the drum doctor. And it was the first time in a long time that I heard Keltner just kind of let loose with no form. And I'm like, dude, he still has all the chops that he, you know, just so much deeper than like what he can do. Like what watching him play, it's truly like a religious experience. Yeah. He's, he's got some, he's like transcending. It's like watching Buddha play where it's like just watching like the way he hits the drums or the way that he's interpreting the music is enough for me. It's almost not even what he's playing, you know? Also, he has this uncanny ability to make, the, he can sit down at a drum kit and just make, and it sounds so wildly different than in anyone else that ever has touched those drums. Mm -hmm. Yeah, watching that specific video, his, because I, I kind of go down a rabbit hole of technique. I'm like, I'll watch this drummer's fingers and what are they doing? How, like, where's their fulcrum? And I've noticed you, you like to choke up quite a bit, which I, I do a lot when I'm trying to play with the same intensity, but softer. And and him, his the way he holds sticks for different techniques is so crazy. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him play with like like you know like beech wood. Like, yeah. He'll be playing, and then like all of a sudden, like without even you noticing, he's like grab like literally like a branch, and it's fucking amazing. It sounds so. Yeah, he's he's as deep as they go. I mean, he also just like had. He had an amazing career. Still has an amazing career, and like he, I think he's just been able to de like develop that sound, and he's like gotten himself to a place where like you call Jim to do Jim's thing, you know, you don't call him to like tell him what to play. So he's been able to like just hone this thing where it's like you, you know, I mean, even if you, like there are like a lot of technical drummers that don't necessarily know how to play in the studio, and I really just think it's a matter of like having had the time playing in the studio. So, I mean, he's like probably more comfortable in that situation than anyone. Well, and you had talked about specifically on when you gave me your list on how he uh, showed you to do less when you're doing the drums and then focus more on overdubs. Yeah, I mean, he didn't actually show me that, but by listening to what he's like, the fact that he's like, he'll, you know, you put on a Ry Cooter track and you're like, whoa, it's like a world of sound. Or like there, there's one track. That, that you should check out. I should have mentioned it called water by this band. He was in called attitudes. I actually was going to play that by the way. I have it as my, yeah, that is the illest feel ever. But when you listen to what he's playing, there's all this shit like exploding around his drum track and it's not what he's playing live. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I think there's like a bell tree. There's like definitely some symbol overdubs happening. There's just like others. Oh, there's some shaker shit happening. Like, it just didn't realize like, oh, you know, what he's trapped, like, cause you know, when you, if you sit down and to record something and you're thinking three steps ahead, like, oh, this track's gonna sound great when I play this on the drums and then I overdub this with the percussion to get this kind of groove. Like when you're starting really just basically with like the drum pass. And if you were to like, if you were to mute the percussion on some of the tracks that he, that he's recorded, it's pretty simple, you know, like he's really leaving a lot of space for these other elements. It's so tough because when you want to going to like a more intense part, you want to increase the subdivision on your right hand, but it's like, no, just stick with the eighth notes when you go to the ride and then have the tambourine come in to make that. It's tough. It is tough. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to, to cultivate that type of patience. But again, I just feel like at least for me, it's a matter of just like doing it 
like it's like rote, you know, it's like if I can just do it a lot, then I know that I can rely on my instincts a little bit more and not like get, you know, pumped up when the chorus hits and increase the velocity or whatever. You just have someone come rub your shoulders like you got this, put a robe on you. Well, let me actually play Drink My Water by Attitudes. shit happening there yeah um well i do want to play a, another song that involves keltner and then i kind of want to hear the story um surrounding that came in blake called him and he came in with an mpc and he had his mpc going stereo to two um little kalamazoo amps like tiny little amplifiers mm-hmm. and we were tracking the song and he was just sitting there with headphones on for like hours programming some shit and then so we like had finished the basic and then he like hit play and recorded it and it was fucking mind-blowing it's exactly what you're you yeah. heard we had no idea what he was doing and it was just like wow this is incredible and i have all the samples because i trigger that stuff live and when you like it's been fun to dig into what he programmed because some of those like there's like dog barking in there like some of the samples are so wild i mean to just sit there and and watch just watch jim go to work so i mean you guys were kind of moving on and he was just in the corner just like i have a vibe but i'm gonna kind of you know yeah i mean like we were kind of doing the thing and like yeah tracking it he was in the control room at one point for a little bit and then yeah he was on the floor just kind of in his own world and then watching him hit play you're like oh my god this is this is like truly a, a great mind at work was it sounds he just had in the mpc just there yeah so he like those things are samplers and and he he got really crazy with his, like, I, I have one as well, and they're amazing samplers, but he had, like, a, he was telling me that a long time ago, probably the 80s or 90s, like, he had, he had this, like, stereo that he really liked that had, I guess, like, some pre in it that he liked the sound of. He had it modded, so he had, like, whatever component that he liked out of the stereo taken out of the stereo and put into the MPC so that when you, when you were running your mic into the MPC it was hitting this compressor or, or, or whatever the, yeah, crazy. So he, he went pretty deep, but everything he has, I think he's recorded himself. Like all those sounds he recorded himself. And then I'm sure he's traded some stuff with, with some folks in the past. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I'd love to have him on the show. Cause I can only imagine what yeah. his choices would be. 
Yeah, I, can't, I, I can't even guess. Yeah. Um, all right. So number five, a record that just hit you at the right time in your life and represents a big piece of your artistry. And and you you gave me a bunch of different options. So uh, Steely Dan, I can start with a Steely Dan song. And again, these aren't the ones that Griffin, you know, specifically chose. I just this is one of my favorite Steely Dan songs. And I believe you mentioned Purdy later on. So I thought I'd just play this one. That, that that's some life-changing shit there it's a, there's no two ways about it i was young when i got into those records i like i remember being driven to middle school and being and like being able to sing the kid charlemagne solo back to my dad for no like that's and that still when i hear that music i'm just like immediately brought back but mm-hmm. i think i started playing along with that stuff when i was like 14 15 okay you also said besides the Steely Dan, it was the Stax Volt catalog. And so I'm just going to play uh, a Barbara Stevens song called Wait a Minute. And the drum intro is, again, it's that kind of a younger me be like, you can play that tighter, but it's it's the perfect drum intro. Is it Al Jackson? Um, so I was looking up the timeline of of that the studios they use, and it's it's implied it's Al Jackson. Yeah, that's a drum sound that I've always chased, and mm-hmm. it seems like they just had like two mics on there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just go to number number six. So that's a record that informed my tuning style. And yeah, I mean, you gave me a pretty uh, rational answer, which is like. Dude, Ben, I, I do so much, so I don't know how to answer this question. But you did say uh, Desire by Bob Dylan has one of your favorite drum sounds of all time. I had not heard that record. I mean, I, I don't think I know much of the mid-70s Bob. Um, and so I chose Oh Sister. That one's insane. Also, uh, uh, um, Sarah has got some insane drumming. That guy's a genius. That's like the, some of the best drumming ever. Yeah, I, I had never heard of him, but Howie, Howie Wyeth or Weeth? and this was the song i was talking about earlier where it seems like a mistake so in the song he starts he starts with the fill and then he's doing the intro where he's doing the snare and then halfway through the intro he goes to a cross stick on beat two and what i'm what i'm thinking happened is that he thinks that's where the vocals are going to come in but that the band kept going with the little intro so then he went back to the snare so i'm curious if you agree if that's what happened but i'm this is all assumption so we'll see. And then he goes across to here. 
Oh shit, they're still going. Let's go back to the snare drum. He's setting it up so that the musicians are hearing the music like for the first time, like while they're playing it, like and tracking it live. Especially that record New Morning, there's that there's a song called Sign on My Window. And it sounds like at one point, though I think Bob's playing piano, and it sounds like at one point the drummer and Bob just couldn't hear each other at all. It's so they're playing different songs. It's and it's awesome. I love that stuff, but No, me too. To me, it's like that's like harder to capture than like some amazing, you know, like super proficient take because especially with Pro Tools, like maybe back in the day when you hear Vinny do something perfect, it's like awe inspiring. But now it's like anyone can sound perfect Mm -hmm. and we can do it from our own like living room, you know? Yeah. But it's also that's I in my head, I create this story and then that's that's half the fun of hearing the song. Yeah, and you it just know. sounds like people actually reacting. Like you're getting people, you're hearing people reacting in real time. And like, I, to me, that's more interesting. I mean, I'm like, like when I'm in a session, I'm there to do whatever the artist wants. But I prefer if it's up to me to like. Usually, if I get demos for a record, I'm like gonna listen once through to make sure there's nothing totally out that I need to practice. And then not uh, not again until we're in the studio because I kind of want to just be inspired in the moment and like get that first take, you know, magic if there is any on on tape, you know, or, or Pro Tools or whatever. Like I, but that they're, they're different strokes for different folks. I know a lot of folks don't aspire to do anything like that, and I get that. Going back to. Um, each song has its own little world sonically that you try and go to. When when, when you bring when they say, can you just bring a few snare options? This is more of a gear question. I mean, like, do you have your top three snares? Like, this is going to cover me no matter what? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a tendency to bring way too much shit. So, but I do have, like, yeah, three to six snares that are, like, are definitely coming to every session. What are they? Like, like your top three? The one that the drum that's just been blowing my mind lately, and it's not for everything, because I have it tuned kind of more for like brushes or open, like crunchy sound is the bronze superphonic. Oh, okay. Which is kind of insanely good. And, and then I have a little Rogers power tone drum, like a black oyster, which I have super tight, like seventies vibes, which it seems to be the favorite these days. Like, I think that that maybe that's just like what's in, but like tight sounds also, it takes really well to like, reverb or you know if you're going to put it through a tank or whatever like mm-hmm. less overtones and shit the better it, it responds and then that arbiter drum as you heard on that bahamas youtube video has just got that like insane body and 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 just does that thing and i mean you, i get that out of other drums but this that just really makes it easy yeah i mean to the point where he literally before he starts singing he's like damn that drum sounds amazing so, um, but you did say, and, and this is someone, I mean, that I would probably say is up there with Levon for me is, uh, is Jim, Jim Gordon. Oh, yeah. He's the goat. So I do want to play two songs in Jim Gordon. If people don't know Jim Gordon, he's, I mean, you'll, you can put him in the same category as Bernard and Hal, where he's probably 10 of your favorite drummers, but, uh, 
these are two drastically different sounds. And so the first one is apostrophe by Frank Zappa, and it's a little more of an open sound for Jim. I mean, I recently listened to You're So Vain again. Mm. And I was just like, this is, this is perfect. This is a perfect drum take. He's and again, so you you have that, um, and then this little song that is is kind of what I guess most people associate with his his drum sound, a little tighter, more more punchy. As of course, Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, it's such an, I mean, I wouldn't say it's underrated because everyone loves that album, but it's, it's also, it's, I wish we could have gotten more out of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim Gordon's story is obviously tragic. Very tragic. He's one of the best, man. Another, another guy that flips me out is um, Ginger Baker. That obviously, like, he's, of all the drummers that are like, you know, when you go into a session, sometimes people lay like some heavy reference on you to like, yeah, we want him to sound like this. Of the like the two most inimitable drummers are, in my opinion, I mean, aside from like, like raging like metal, which just sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> do that or jazz, like of this Ginger Baker and Charlie Watts, which is which is surprising because he's not Charlie Watts is like the least chop based drummer, but it's just so hard to cop, and I think part of that is that. Maybe he's like following Keith. I think maybe Keith is more driving that shit than Charlie, which traditionally like a drummer would kind of dictate the groove and band would follow the drummer. I don't think that's happening in the Stones, which is why like you just can't sound like Charlie Watts without Keith. Well, Griffin, I know um, you have a session today, man, so I don't want to take up a lot of your time, and I've already taken up more than I said I was going to. It was, so, it was such a pleasure, man. I, I love talking drums. I hope we can, if you ever need someone to like kick around with you and uh like shoot the shit about whatever i'm i'm always down dude i will take you up on that man so thank you uh did you want to do a, do a quick promotion i mean um is there some new DOS stuff coming out or new sessions you're doing that you want to promote there's some DOS stuff probably coming out next year and we we didn't get a chance to tour our last record you know because because no one did we put one out last october because we just figured like we don't want to sit on this like it's been done we need to get it out. So we're finally going on tour at the end of August. Um, so for anyone listening, like we're, we're, you know, we tour all the time and we'll come, we'll most likely be through wherever you live. And if not there, then very close by. So come see us live. <laughs> right on dude. Well, um, again, I know, I know it's, it, it's always fun to have either one of our guests or, 
Chris's, in this case, uh, a top five from another show on the show. So uh, thanks again, man. Thank you, man. Have a good one. You too, dude. Bye. And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX-8 Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. Bye.